going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 59. Now, right away, you're probably like, wait a minute, he just said Christmas. What are we doing going to the Old Testament? Well, we're going to head into the Old Testament today because that's where we are going to learn where Christmas came from. Our Christmas theme this year is A Thrill of Hope, which comes from the song, O Holy Night, but the song comes from many passages, including this one that we're going to look at in Isaiah chapter 59 and 60, A Thrill of Hope. If you ask Christians to talk about faith, they could say a lot of things. If you ask Christians to talk about love, they can talk for a long time. If you said, hey, explain hope to me, that's like a, a little harder to describe. So I want you to know what it means to be living with a thrill of hope. Hope is the future tense of our faith that we live right now. It's the radiant picture of the future that informs your actions on a daily basis. It's knowing the end of the story and living like that end is soon to arrive. Now, I don't know about you, but next to Christmas, the second thing I'm most excited about right now is the Star Wars movie that's coming out this Friday. How many of you have already bought tickets to the Star Wars movie that's coming out this Friday? Raise your hand if you have. It's coming out! And, and everyone is, here's a picture, it's, it's called The Rise of Skywalker, and it's the, it's the ninth movie in the canon. So there, there was like episode four, five, and six, then they went back to one, two, and three, then they went back to seven, eight, and now it's finally the end of nine movies. And when asked about how he thinks the project went, director J.J. Abrams, who also directed The Force Awakens, said, I'm not really that great with endings, so I'm a little nervous. And the person was like, what do you mean nervous? He's like, well, I'm just better at starting a story, which is why I love directing The Force Awakens. He's like, I really hope people like the ending. Well, I hope I like the ending too. I better, hope, I better like the ending, JJ, right? But here's a guy who's like one of the most well-known directors in Hollywood, and he's like, I hope people like the ending. And then to complicate things, one of the surest ways for people to not like the ending is if they know how it's going to end in advance, right? So John Boyega, actor from the Star Wars series, did you hear this? Left a full script of the Star Wars movie under his bed the day he moved out of an apartment. And like a mover or a maid found it and then listed it on eBay. Now listen, his agent called him and said, John, John, I just got word from the powers that be at Disney that you lost a billion-dollar script. Disney went on eBay and realized it was listed for like $83. And they just bought it back. Because <laughs> they don't want you to know the ending. Listen, we serve a God who really wants you to know the ending. He has handed you a trillion-dollar script. And the question is, are you going to just forget it under your bed? Or, yeah, this looks like it could get me a few bucks on eBay. Devalue it, not recognize its worth? Or like Disney, are you going to go and get the treasure at any cost? Because you know God is telling you the truth about how the story will end. 
Listen, when you know that you're holding the trillion dollar script in the palm of your hands, it will change the way you see the page you're on. Uh, 2019, I'm not too happy about 2019, but I've got the script. 2020, you've got the script. Weren't so happy about 2018, you've got the script. It doesn't matter what's on page number whatever when you've got the whole thing in the palm of your hands. That's the power of knowing the ending. God wants you to live with a thrill of hope because you know how it's going to end. Let's pray and then we'll learn about hope together. Thank you, Father, that you have given us the script. You have revealed to us in advance the glorious, perfect ending that's coming that cannot be stopped. And you're great at endings. You're perfect at endings. You give us the best possible ending forever. We will never, in heaven, doubt your ability to end a story. Today, help us to know what it means to live with a thrill of hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so go ahead and turn, if you're not already there, to Isaiah 59. Isaiah is a prophet writing about 700-ish B.C. Here's the amazing thing about a prophet. God allowed Isaiah to look out across the pages of history that have not yet happened. And he first revealed to Isaiah the near future, and then he started revealing to him the distant future, and Isaiah got to see Christmas before it ever happened. And then God allowed his vision to even stretch past beyond from 700 B.C., beyond Christ's day. And and Isaiah saw beyond the medieval days, and he saw beyond even our days. And, And imagine Isaiah comes to our record and keeps going and going and going, and God showed him the end of time, how the world would end. So Isaiah, in writing this chapter, is actually talking about two endings. He's talking about how the Old Testament would end, which was with the birth of Jesus Christ. He saw it in advance. But Isaiah is also talking about the end of days when Christ will come back. He's writing about both periods. And wow, does that amaze you? That Isaiah is looking past our days and seeing the end of the story and telling us about it and giving us the script. So we're in Isaiah. And in chapter 59, if you want to live with hope, the first thing you have to be aware of is the problem. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Write this down. Problem. Problem. Our sins have separated us from God. You won't need hope. You won't need a picture of the future if you're like, what's the problem? I I like the way my story's going to end. I think it's going to end great. I I see no problem. If you don't have problems, if you don't see the problem, you won't value hope. And God wants you to know not just about many problems, but the problem, the big one that, that is in your life. And it says here, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. It's kind of a funny thought of God with short hands. I would save you, but I can't reach you. Sorry. No. Nor his ear dull that it cannot hear. Speak up! Speak up so I can hear you. I can't. I don't know what she's saying. I wish I could save her, but I can't hear. Not God. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The problem is our sin. 
The idea of sin creating a separation is a wonderful portrait of the problem. Here's a picture when Lauren and I went to the Grand Canyon. Love the Grand Canyon. But what you see there is a picture of the problem that you and I have in life. That canyon, imagine looking all the way on the other rim. We're on the southern rim. Imagine looking all the way to the northern rim and trying to get to a person who's there. That's you and God. And uh, here's the next picture. When we were approaching the Grand Canyon at a gas station, this guy decided to warn us about the Grand Canyon. Oh, you're going to the Grand Canyon? Well, i got to warn you about it. started telling us how all these people have died in the Grand Canyon. Be careful of this. Don't get too close to the edge if you walk down on this path. And then he holds up a book, Death in the Grand Canyon. And he's scaring the life out of us. So we get to the Grand Canyon, and it's like, I don't know why I'm to this because the man just warned me that I'm going to die. Treacherous. We did get close. We took a lot of pictures. Here's a picture of me falling into the Grand Canyon, which is kind of funny. I'm just kidding. It's one of those optical illusions where on the other side there's like a gigantic platform, right? But um, is there any more frightening thought than falling into the Grand Canyon? Oh, you're going to keep falling. Now look, you and God, your sins have made a separation. So, So you can't see him and you can't get there because death stands between you and him. And look, crossing the Grand Canyon would be one thing, but, but look, looking up, the canyon that separates you and God is not just earth. It's you can't get to heaven. Like the gap, the chasm between you and God is a whole lot bigger than the Grand Canyon. What has done this? Your sins have done this. The biggest problem we have in life is separation from God. Jot this down. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We, we want to reach God, but we fall short. We stop short. We can't get there. That's our biggest problem. When Jesus was born, the whole nation of Israel was waiting for the Messiah. We want him to come. We want him to save us. But it's because Rome, the Roman Empire, was was in charge of their country. So they were like, he's going to come and he's going to kick Rome's butt. And he's going to get those Romans out of here. And and he's going to liberate us. And he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire. And uh, when Jesus didn't do that, they were all like, look, what good is this guy to us? Jesus didn't just come. Sure, he could have overthrown the Roman Empire. He came to defeat bigger opponents, sin, death. He came to overthrow those kingdoms. And so they were expecting too little from him. And look, the biggest problem that you and I have is we've sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. Um. I'm going to talk a lot about Star Wars this morning because I'm really excited about it. You're going to have to deal with it. So, if you're really into Christmas decorations, allow me to suggest to you this next Christmas decoration. It's the Gingerbread Star Destroyer. And here's the next picture of the Gingerbread Star Destroyer. Uh, <laughs> it would be cool if they just smashed all the houses around the Gingerbread Star Destroyer uh, because of it. And um, that, that is an iconic Star Wars picture of the ultimate threat. Like, if one of those comes into your solar system, you're dead. And in Star Wars, they keep destroying parts of the evil world, the dark side. It blew up the Death Star 1, blew up the Death Star 2, took out a lot of the ships. They even killed the Emperor. Darth Maul's gone, Count Dooku's gone, and there's still the dark side. And here we are in movie 9, and what's happening? The Emperor's coming back. Great, we killed him once and now he's back again. 
And what they're learning is if they you know, blow up a planet that's turned into a gun and, and all that AT-8, all the, they get all that, there's still a problem because they didn't quite get to the heart of it yet. So this whole movie is about getting to the heart of the dark side and destroying it. I love that picture because our biggest problem in life is actually our sin. That's the source of all the darkness. And if God doesn't take care of that, it doesn't matter how many other things get blown up throughout history. It doesn't matter. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. So he's getting to the heart and the root of all of our problems. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Jot this down. Therefore, we cannot find God. We cannot find God. It says in chapter 59, verse 9, Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold, darkness. And for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. You see that portrait? Like, like the blind. Just can't see. Grope, groping for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. Like they're not even in there. No hope of seeing. We hope for light and behold darkness. For brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon. As in the twilight, among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. It's noon. It's noon. The sun is in the sky. And we Look, this is, this is God telling you what things are like between you and him. In your whole life, this is you. You, you can't find him because of your sin. Problem, our sins have separated us from God. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We cannot find God. Hey, I wonder if you have discovered this to be true in your life. I wonder if you know exactly how this feels. I wonder if you're sitting here today and you know exactly what I mean when I say you have not yet found God. God is in no way real to you in life. You never feel like you've heard from him. He might as well be a billion light years away. You think he's there, but you wonder where. Is that you? Do you feel like you've discovered that this is true? Like you can't find him. God wants you to know that he knows that's true. And it's a problem, and it's a huge problem, and he wants you to know the problem so that, so that he can do something. Number two, jot this down. First we're given a problem, then we're given a picture. He continues to describe the problem. So we're given a picture the picture comes from chapter 60, verse 2. It says in chapter 60, verse 2, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the peoples. So here's a picture of the earth when it's nighttime out. This is, I think, over Spain, Portugal. But th there's, there's night. How many of you are like Lord of the Rings fans? Have you read Lord of the Rings? Anybody read Lord of the Rings? If you read the Silmarillion, which is the prequel to the Lord of the Rings movies, Tolkien wrote a creation myth. And in the beginning of the Lord of the Rings, the world was actually dark. And he knew his theology. He was a Christian. So he, he made a dark world. There were actually trees that brought it light, but then they died. And so the world was in darkness until finally light arose. That's a spiritual portrait. When it says thick darkness covers the world, it's not talking about physically. It's talking about spiritually. Spiritually, there is darkness spiritually over the earth. We can't see. We're not virtuous. We lack light from heaven. And what does that mean when it says thick darkness covers the earth? Well, 
you can write this down. Our world is full of sin. Our world is full of sin. There is so much sin in the world. And has, has that hit you? Do, do you agree with what the Bible says, that the world is full of sin? Have you taken time to process the reality of all of the sin that's going on right now in the world? Allsip had a few bad days. We, we had one guy two days ago who holed up in his apartment and, and wouldn't get evicted with a gun, and the cops had to get him out. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. Then the next day, there was just a random shooting in a, maybe a drug deal gone bad in the apartment complex in Allsip, so he just shot another guy and then drove away. Helicopters in the sky two days in a row. My kids are like, what's going on? There's helicopters again. Bad few days for Allsip. We're told that Chicago's actually having a better year this year than 2018 because we've only had 2,500 shootings in the city so far this year. This year, not, not deaths, but shootings. 2,500 shootings, and that's one city, one year. What if you were actually able to pile up the, the whole list of depravity? You ever see the movie Santa Claus? We watched the movie Santa Claus again with Tim Allen, and at one point he realizes he's Santa Claus, and the list shows up. Remember that scene? And his whole house is full of the list, and he's got to go through and check, naughty, nice, naughty, nice. His boxes in his whole house. Can you imagine if someone sent you the list of all of the sins that happened in 2019 globally? And then imagine, imagine flipping through, imagine, imagine, imagine the pain and the suffering and the heartbreak and the violence and the corruption and the greed and the lust. And imagine one year of you holding the record in your hand. And at the end of that, you'd be like, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. And I'm going to get another one of these next year. We are hopeless. Our world is full of sin, full of violence, immeasurable pain. Does that grieve you? Does that make you wonder how it's all going to get fixed? I've also been catching up on my Avengers movies because I sub subscribe to Disney+. Plus, and so I watched The Age of Ultron recently. And um, at the end of The Age of Ultron, there's a robot who went rogue. Tony Stark thought he was going to save the world by making a robot. Well, the robot turned bad. Ultron. Here's the thing. Ultron represents Tony Stark's desire to save the world, but it's his bad side. So he thinks the only way to save the world is to blow the whole thing up. So he's going to pick up a city and drop it back down and exterminate the whole population. And when finally his allies figure this out, they're like, wait a minute, you're going to blow up the planet. He's like, yeah, how else am I going to fix it? And there's got to be a part of you that's like, we, we can't fix this. We, like, we can't fix this. Like, we, we need to start over. What am I going to do? Drive down to Washington and sort out all of the corruption there and get sort through all the lot? Am I, I going to show up at everybody's house before a violent offense occurs and I'm going to take the gun out of there? What are, what are we going to do? There's got to be a part of you that agrees, like, this whole thing needs to be wiped clean and started over. And yet what's kind of cool is Vision is there representing Tony's better side. And he just says, there is grace in their failing. And then Ultron says, they're doomed. <laughs> they're doomed. Both of those are true. We're doomed. But there's hope. How can the world, how can this world be saved? Our world is full of sin. This darkness also portrays our hearts. Jot this down. Our hearts are full of sin. 
Our hearts are full of sin. Have you discovered the harsh, blunt reality that your soul is dark by nature? And that all the evil in the world doesn't flow from the outside in, but it flows from the inside out? That it starts here and that you have the very same make and model of heart as every other offender in the whole world? Do you realize that? That's common depravity. You might express your sinful nature differently, but it's the same nature. Do you realize that when it says thick darkness will cover the world, it's referring to our own hearts being flooded with that darkness? And then jot this down. We're helpless and hopeless. Ephesians 2.12 says we have no hope and we are without God in the world. What does this mean? We're helpless. We're hopeless. It means your best efforts to fix things are very short-lived, skin-deep, surface layer, leaving us still riddled with guilt and shame. We can't change. I know what you're thinking. Merry Christmas. This is one bummer of a message. Our pastor's talking about darkness and doom and gloom and movies. Why? Because if we don't understand the problem and if we don't see the picture, we won't have hope. It will be hopeless. And look, maybe your whole life you've just been you've just been coping with the reality that you think it's hopeless and you don't know what to do. So you withdraw, you throw yourself into work, you distract yourself, but you don't know what to do. Maybe your whole life you have felt hopeless. God wouldn't want me. Why would God? Maybe you feel hopeless. Are you seeing the picture? Number one, we have to see the problem. Number two, we have to see the picture. Number three, here's the good news. We have to hear the promise. Promise. God is coming down to rescue us. Write that down. God is coming down to rescue us. This horrible portrait is being painted in Isaiah of how terrible the world is. And then, this is marvelous. Look at verse 15, the second half where that new section starts. It says, the Lord saw it. The Lord saw it and it displeased him. Hey, listen, this might be the reason you're here this morning. This might be the biggest thing that you're going to hear all year long. Whatever has happened to you in the past, whatever you've experienced that shows you that this world is fallen and broken beyond repair, whatever you've done, whatever has been done to you, listen, the Lord saw it. The Lord saw it. His eyes saw it. He heard it. He was there. Now that will at first terrify you and then confuse you. If he was there, why didn't he? The Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. He saw that there was no one who could fix it. Then his own arm brought him salvation. His righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. This is our God going to war, putting on armor and coming down to save us. What an amazing thing Isaiah was seeing 700 years before it happened. He was seeing Christmas, God coming down 
to save us. That's our only hope. But you won't value that until you admit you need a rescue. You need a rescue. You won't value that until you admit you have no other hope. There was a Roman poet, Horace, who was really upset with all the young playwrights. He felt like they were writing junk. And when he saw their scripts and saw their plays, he got really upset. And so he decided to yell at all of these younger playwrights. Why? He said this. He said they were bringing a God onto the stage to solve all of their plot problems. And it was a cop-out. So here's what he said. He said, do not bring a God onto the stage unless the problem is one that deserves a God to solve it. They were blowing the ending. Oh, the world's falling apart. Oh, everything's terrible. Then a God shows up and fixes the problem. And he's like, I can't take it anymore. All these endings stink today. They're just bringing a God up there to solve all these problems. Hey, listen. Your problem is a problem that requires a God to solve it. So God brought a God on stage to fix it. But if you're like, oh, I'll be okay probably. Oh, I just have a little few oopses and boo-boos. I'm not really that bad. I'm set for going to heaven. You needed a God on stage to fix your problems. It required a God. You needed a rescue. I saw an amazing rescue. I like Animal Planet, animal programs. And so, so I saw a rescue this week, which was a very unusual rescue. It never happened before that we know of. But an eagle needed to be rescued. An eagle? From a what? Check it out. An eagle needed to be rescued from an octopus. <laughs> Look at that eagle. My wings aren't working. <laughs> Why am I in water? A group of salmon, far salmon farmers discovered a bald eagle trapped in an octopus's grasp. And so they freed him. They were reluctant at first. They're so like, well, let's just let him like fight it out. And then they freed him. And look at that embarrassed bald eagle on the shore. It's like, how yeah, on earth know. did that happen? And that octopus is like, <laughs> wait, my friends hear about this one. I caught an eagle. Jumped 50 feet in the sky before I grabbed it. And then I imagine the eagle like going back with its friends and all the other eagles being like, hey, hey, Fred, where you been all day? Oh, uh, I was flying way up there. You guys couldn't see me. I was flying so high. Really? Carl saw you in the lake. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. There was something wrapped around you. What was it? Uh, it was an octopus. <laughs> this is so hilarious. An eagle getting captured by an octopus. I love that portrait because, look, there we are. We're, we're like stuck and humiliated. And we're looking up like, I think I belong up there. But I, I, like, I can't get free. I need to be rescued. It's really humbling to admit that you need a rescue. But God came down because you need a rescue. The promise is God coming down to rescue us. Isaiah talks about it. In verse 18, he goes on to say, According to their deeds, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream 
which the wind of the Lord dries, and a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from their transgression, declares the Lord. It talks about this Redeemer elsewhere in Isaiah. In Isaiah 9, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He shall call, be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. To us a child is born who will rule forever and ever. This is the hope of Christmas. Isaiah was writing 700 years before Christmas happened, and he's like, and, and everyone else is like, well, what did God show you? You saw the future? Yeah. What did God show you? A baby. Huh? A baby. And everyone like who has never lived through a Christmas, they're like, oh, yay. A baby. (laughs) That's what it was. All of the hopes were bound up in this child. Jot this down. A a child will be born of a virgin. God would come down, and he would come down from the start, living among us. Emmanuel, God with us. It would start as a baby in a manger. And the Israelites were watching for this miracle baby. That's how they knew the Messiah would come. A miracle baby. There's an, I just have one more Star Wars thing that I included in the sermon today. I'm really excited about this movie. But if you watch The Mandalorian on Disney Plus about bounty hunters, you'll know that the most famous and interesting Star Wars character in the world today is Baby Yoda. Check it out. This is a picture of Baby Yoda. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, it's the most adorable thing in the world. And they discover baby Yoda early on. And then everyone's like, oh, the baby. We've got to protect the little baby. It's so cute. And baby Yoda just says like, (laughs) he's so little, he can't even talk. And baby Yoda's just floating around. And then there's an episode where this big old, like a rhinoceros plus a dinosaur. He goes, big old thing of hers. Running at baby Yoda. And baby Yoda just goes, And the big old thing goes, ah! And then everyone's like, oh, this is an amazing baby. And they're trying to figure out what's up with the child, right? So now they're making merchandise for this. If you're shopping for me for Christmas, here's what I want. This is a... <laughs> so what child is this sweater? <laughs> they're trying to figure out who is this baby? The thought of an almighty baby is the promise of the Old Testament. Isaiah is trying to tell people, it's going to be an amazing baby. A baby? No, 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 listen. And if you think baby Yoda is pretty amazing, I can picture Isaiah describing this other miracle child. There's not not a big rhino coming at the child in the manger. Death itself is on its way. Death itself is coming for that child. And, and Jesus. <laughs> now sin is coming. All of it. All of it is coming. All of it is coming right at him. <gasps> and then Satan. 
Oh, the lion. The lion at full speed. What child is this? And if you don't have that child in your life, those three things are going to mow you down. Sin, death, Satan. You have no power. A child will be born. Jot this down. He'll open our eyes to see God. Chapter 60, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So first, we started here. I can't, I can't even, I don't, do you see him? I don't. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is talking about Jesus coming. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Oh, this light is burst. Doesn't it remind you of creation? Let there be light. Jesus coming into the world, his glory will be seen upon you. The, the apostles in the New Testament said, we have seen his glory and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. It, it foretold it. It says later, they shall bring gold and frankincense and good news. It, it foretold the wise men showing up. Verse 4, lift your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Verse 5 is where we get our Christmas theme. Then you shall see and be radiant and your heart shall thrill and exult. A thrill of hope. This is Isaiah telling the future to his people. You shall see it. He's telling them about how the Old Testament would end. He gave them the script. And listen, listen, that's how it ended. The Old Testament ended with the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as predicted. Their future came true. And Isaiah also looked far, far, far ahead into our future and said, a Redeemer will come. The ending of the New Testament has already been spoiled. Jesus comes back. The disciples were there. They saw Jesus ascend into heaven. There he goes. And then they got yelled at by an angel. Uh, men of Galilee, why are you looking into the sky? Oh, uh, Jesus just went up there. Yeah, he's going to come back the same way that he left. Get to work. Okay, okay. We'll, uh, we'll just get to work then. <laughs> uh, he's coming back. Trillion dollar script has been given to you and me. What's going on on page 2019? Yeah, problems. Yeah, darkness. Yeah, it's hard. But look, you've got the script. When you see the ending, you can go through anything with a thrill of hope. The child has been born. The ending of the New and the ending of the Old Testament is Jesus. And if you have that hope, I know this is hard to hear, especially if you have a rough 2019 you've gone through. I'm there. And if you're looking at 2020 and you're like, I don't want to. I don't want to. If you look at the future with fear and dread, I know this is hard to hear, but listen, you have nothing to fear. You know how it's going to end. There's going to be some hard pages and some dark pages. They're not the last pages. God spoiled the ending. When you know the ending, you can live with a thrill of hope. 
Jot this down. We can face the future joyfully fearless. Joyfully fearless. If you accidentally wrote down joylessly fearful, just scratch it out, try again. I'm joking, but some of you are really living that. Joylessly fearful. Has that been 2019 for you? Joylessly fearful. It's, it's time to cross that out. You know the ending. Joyfully fearless. The child has come. Nothing to fear. A thrill of hope. Hey, notice the problem. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See the picture. Thick darkness has covered the earth. Believe the promise. God is coming down to rescue us. I'll leave you with one final portrait. Zechariah talks about these chapters in the New Testament when he finally gets his voice back after God silenced him for nine months because he didn't believe the truth he heard. Anyway, his voice comes back. Then he gets to start talking about the glories of salvation. John the Baptist's dad. And he said, Sunrise shall visit you from on high. Light. And sunrises don't come from there, right? Am I right? I've seen sunrises. They come from like the lowest point at the darkest time on the horizon and then bink, up, you know, up, 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 up. This sunrise that God talks about, is, it's an upside-down sunrise. It starts above you. And light, light. That's the sunrise. And maybe God brought you here today to tell you about the darkness within you, not to condemn you, but to get you to look up and to see the sunrise and to arise and shine. Your light has come. Hope was born in Bethlehem. The script, the trillion-dollar script is in your hand. Will you believe, oh, if I, if I trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, I get to go to heaven forever? Will you believe that today? Or will you be like, nah. I'm inviting you to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord today and to take your place in the greatest story that's ever been told. Jesus wants to be the light in your life. He wants you to know God, to find God, to walk with Him. He wants to be your hope. That can start right now. Let's close our eyes and let's bow our hearts and let's pray based on what we've heard. Father in heaven, thank you that you accurately describe the disaster that is this world. We have good days. We have fun memories. We have high hopes and big dreams, and, and yet we know that this world is doomed. We know the price that is paid for our defense forces to keep us safe. This world is treacherous, terrifying, and we cannot fix it. Lord, we know when we look within us, we do better, we do worse, we do good, but there are the dark streets and alleys in each one of us that reflect the very pit of hell itself. We can't get to the source of why we do what we do and the shame and the guilt and the fear radiate within us and we can't see you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you 
You strapped on your armor. You stepped down from heaven to help us. You didn't just look and look away. You looked and you came. Light in the darkness. Lord, I just pray for anyone here today who knows the problems in the world and wants a better script, wants to know there's a perfect ending coming. Paradise, free forever. I pray that there would be some today who look up and say, Jesus, shine on me. Jesus, save me. Defeat sin, death, and Satan right now. There are some here who are ready to say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Help me to live for you. And there are saints in the room, Lord, who know the darkness is within them and Satan's lying to them about how this story will end. I just pray that they would once again step into the light, once again reach out with hope, believing that they can face the future with joyful expectation, fearless of what's coming because of the grace you have for them. May they ask you to shine in them again and again and again. Thank you for giving us the script. Thank you for ruining the ending. Jesus, thank you for going and prepare a place for us. Help us to live for you. In your name we pray. Let's all stand together.